Hello, and welcome to another episode of Desert Island Dishes with me, Margie Broadhead. My castaway this week is Georgia Cummings, the founder of Potage, the healthy home-cooked food delivery service. Their goal is to make eating well easy, and there's an emphasis on fresh, quality ingredients. I went to the bustling kitchens of Potage to meet Georgia, and she was so lovely. She's a great example of someone who has built something from the ground up with minimal funds, but buckets of passion and hard work. And now, five years later, she's running her own little empire, and it's just very inspiring and very impressive to see. Apologies in advance if I sound posher than the queen when I say the word potage, (laughs) but Georgia assured me I was saying it right. It's just my voice. Anyway, here is Georgia. Hi, Georgia. Thank you so much for being here on Desert Island Dishes. So as the founder of Portage, do you want to give us a little description of what Portage exactly is? I guess kind of like a little elevator pitch. So we are a healthy food delivery company with a goal to delivering delicious meals across central London in a sustainable way. It is just amazing. Like anyone who's been lucky enough to eat your food or see it on Instagram will know just how delicious it all is. I read that inspiration struck you when you were walking in Hyde Park, having a chat about life with your brother, and you had a bowl of hot stew, and it was a sort of light bulb moment. Is that how it all happened? It is how it all happened. When I was at university, I went to Bristol University, and I never did very well at university. I um, I would take on projects outside of university. Uh, the biggest one I did while I was there was in my second year, organised by Ernst & Young. Okay. And it's called Profit Unity. And the idea is you get given £500 capital yeah. to start a business and raise as much money as you can for the Prince's Trust. Amazing. So I got put together a team and started a art competition. We called it State of the Art. And I had a team with three people in it. And it was amazing. I spent the whole year, I became completely obsessed with it. Built this big competition and we had an auction and lots of parties at the end of the year. That's amazing. So that was completely separate to your degree? Totally separate to the degree. And I, I ended up raising... £25,000 for the Prince's Trust. Oh my goodness, that's incredible. In a year? In a year. Wow. Um, But we won the competition, which was great. I was probably the first and last thing I ever won. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I got thrown out of university. I failed one exam. No Um, way. Yeah, I managed just about to creep back in. But I think it's funny when you look back, you realise there are lots of different things that have happened as you've been growing up that have had a big effect on you. And I think that was probably the first thing that gave me, you know, my first bit of confidence to think, actually, maybe I could one day do something. I've yeah. I've done this and I did well. Yeah, and I re- it was a, an amazing experience to get a sort of feel of what it's like starting a business yeah. from scratch with a small bit of money. And actually possibly more valuable than the degree you're doing anyway. Much, like more, sort of much, much life more valuable. Experience. Definitely. Yeah. And I actually think now, you know, I think what's so brilliant about university is all the time you have. I was yeah. doing a language course and, I mean, it was it was great and it was interesting, but I was never particularly focused. You know, I never became passionate about that, whereas yeah. I had huge holidays and um, time even in the week where you could get involved with other things. And I think yeah. that's the 
best and you really about. took advantage of it yeah so then when you were talking with your brother and you had the soup you just kind of thought you'd already come to the point where you're thinking something like that might be really good to go into yeah so then I left university and I wanted to go and work on a shop floor and I said this to someone and they sort of laughed and they said well you know you've studied really hard and you've got a good degree why would you do that but I actually think you know starting on a shop floor is one of the most amazing places you can start working really because you learn a huge amount you learn all about the customer the product how to sell attention to detail to so many different things how it all works stock control all that kind of stuff and my aunt who had started the white company yes very kindly said come and do a sort of some summer work experience with us so I went and spent the summer on the shop floor in the White Company store um, in Marylebone. And it was amazing. I absolutely loved it. And I ended up then going into head office and spending some time in different departments. And I was there for about a year. And it was amazing because you learned so I, well, I did. Yeah. I never worked before. And like before a you start, apprenticeship. Exactly. And before you start, you don't know what the marketing department do or the buying and merchandising, all these different departments. So that was amazing. But after a year, I think what I realized was what I was really passionate about was food. And that's where I wanted to end up. And I was with my brother and we were walking in the park. He doesn't usually come walking with me. I think I was having (laughs) a bit of a bit of a moment and he thought he should. And I said, you know, I don't really know what I'm doing because I know food is what I want to be doing. And I just don't know how to get into it. And I guess this was before you had, we had any of the kind of, you know, the big deliveries and Ubers delivering food and even Amazon now. And I kept thinking, you know, I would go to the supermarket on my way home from work with everyone else who was finishing work. (laughs) I would buy the same basket full of food every week and spend £20. And every week I would throw half of the food away because I hadn't got around to cooking it. And when I got home, I was too tired. And I just kept thinking, I wish there was something. When I was having this bowl of stew, I thought, how amazing would it be if you could get this delivered to your home and just a nice bowl of stew and a piece of bread so you don't have to do the cooking, you don't have to waste food, um, sort of homemade, handmade. And I kind of imagined it like I wish my mum could deliver an extra portion of whatever she was making just to me. But it didn't exist. At the, at the time, you could get, you know, pizza, Chinese, sushi, yeah. Indian, all, all from local restaurants, but just not that kind of home simple home-cooked food that's not too rich or that you don't feel, you you know, you feel good after it. Yeah. So I thought, okay, great, this is it. This is what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then I became... I think my mum was on holiday at the time, and I, when she came back, I was living with her at the time, and... She came back and I rushed her upstairs into my room. You could barely open the door because it was just full of packaging samples. Oh, that's that I'd so been going exciting, around. though. Like when you're so yeah. passionate about something, yes. you're just bursting with and it. I remember thinking, I can't tell anybody this is such a great idea. Everyone's going to want to do it. And now, looking back, you think, if anyone wants to do it, yeah. it's, like, it's, <laughs> it's really so much work. work. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. So... I'm always really interested with people who work in food, whether they grew up in families where food was a passion. And so it seems a good time to ask you your first Desert Island dish of the day, which is what is the dish that most reminds you of your childhood? I think it would have to be 
anything with eggs oh. on a Sunday night at home. I mean, food, food's always been a massive part of my family. And I think I'm not a chef, but I, I love food. And I love what I love about it is the way it brings people together. Yeah. And I was really lucky. I grew up in a family where whoever was at home had to sit down around at a table all together to eat every meal. If you didn't come and sit down, you didn't get fed. Yeah. <laughs> and definitely on a Sunday night, we would have every every Sunday, it would be something with eggs. So eggs and soldiers or a souffle, like oh, cheese souffle. That's so nice. I love traditions. Yeah. And now do you still do that on a Sunday? Yeah, my yeah. I it's so nice. My I live quite close to my mum, and she will still every Sunday night. Oh, that's so nice. Over. Yeah. So you launched back in 2011, I think it was, and I wondered how you came to land on delivery, even though obviously we have already touched on that. But rather than the idea of a restaurant or a cafe, was that something you ever considered? I had a thousand pounds to start the business, okay. and so there was no other option. Yeah, I mean. We're in London, the overhead rental costs are so high that there was no way I could do bricks and mortar. Also, I had I felt like I had no experience. And I remember I in one of my uni holidays, I worked, I spent some time in a big working in a big supermarket for a big supermarket. And I spent some time on their shop floor. And I was so shocked by the amount of money that they would have to spend every few years on refurbing the place. And then I spent some time on their online retail, in their online retail team, which was, you know, a fraction of the size, but was competing heavily in total That's sales. so interesting. And it would take, you know, versus on the shop floor, the amount of time it would take to rectify a mistake versus 15 minutes yeah. online. That's so interesting. And I just think, I guess I love with food, being together, being at home, being in a kind of that home comfortable environment and yeah. I love the idea that we're bringing people together to eat really good quality homemade meals in the comfort of their own home rather than you know getting people out into restaurants definitely um, also just just a side note you're so impressive the way you used your all of your university holidays <laughs> I feel like I completely wasted mine no way no way I think no, it's really impressive it's amazing all of your food is so up my street. It's really balanced. It's seasonal. I think you have a daily changing menu, but that's a lot of work. And I wondered, where do you get your inspiration from? When I first started the company, our menu changed every day and we had one pot on the menu every day. But as we've grown, we've had to sort of keep a more consistent menu. Okay, And that's mainly because actually people come back for, you know, people come back to us because they want their favourite. Yeah, so they're disappointed if it's not on the Exactly, menu. their favourite bestseller. Whereas we have a kind of one or two things that will change every week. Okay. And a lot of the veg and other bits will change seasonally. So we'll change each season, we'll swap things in and out. But other, and, and listening, we get this amazing weekly report from our veg supplier, literally give us this amazing little update. It's really well mm. written. With kind of what's coming in, what's coming out, what's overpriced, oh, um, what's that's really so great, tasty at the moment. And so you just looking for inspiration sort of every time you eat out in restaurants and I don't know, like, does it come from all over? I guess so. But our food is, our food is really simple. So it's about using the best quality ingredients yeah. and just putting them together in a really fresh way. I like food that doesn't feel like it's been through 10 pairs of hands yeah. <laughs> before it gets to you. It's just 
it comes in from the vegetable, we, you know, steam it or we roast it and it goes straight into a pot. Even, you know, our dressings are on the side, all that kind of stuff, because it's, if you want really amazing fancy food, you would, I I would think people would go out to a restaurant, whereas we're more delivering kind of just, it's that good, delicious quality that's simply put together. Exactly. And so I believe that you went to Ballymaloo Cookery School in Ireland. I went there too. Did you? Yeah, so I wanted to ask you a bit about that. But first, let's talk about your second Desert Island dish of the day, which is what was the first dish you learned to cook? So this is a bit embarrassing. (laughs) There are no embarrassing. The the first one I I learned to cook would have to be a baked potato, but where you cook it and then you take all of the inside of the potato out. Yes. mash it up with loads of Ooh, butter cheese yum. bacon peas whatever you've got and then put it back in that sounds amazing is that called a, a loaded potato i don't know what it's i don't <laughs> i honestly, i probably had a good, good name for it up. when i was younger but I'm, I'm gonna call it a loaded potato from now on also there's no there, that's no there's no shame in that answer like uh, there's skill to a baked yeah. potato especially with all those fillings yeah um, so what was your go-to filling it would definitely be butter, cheese, bacon <laughs> and peas, just All whatever was around. Yeah, I, d- I do remember thinking, you know, I'd really nailed it. Like, this was a great... Was that at university? No, no, no I think this was, like, I'm imagining I was 10 or 12. Oh, right. Ten, okay. eight, eight, eight That's 10, amazing. Okay. <laughs> Cooking this at home. I'd be really embarrassed if that was at university. <laughs> no judgment no. here, Georgia. Much. Um, so did you go to Ballymaloo thinking that you'd pursue a career in food? Definitely. Yeah. That was the purpose. I went to Ballymaloo knowing that I wanted to work in food, yeah. I've grown up in a family where grandparents, great-grandparents, I've got great-grandparents who were farmers in France in, and then both my grandparents, one of my grandmothers had this amazing vegetable garden that I used to spend long summers with her and my other grandmother is French and just an incredible cook. Even, you know, my own parents and at home always eating together and eating homemade meals that we'd all make together. It's just a massive source of kind of happiness. And I've always wanted to work in something which... which It's in your blood. It's in my... Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. It it gives me such pleasure when now, when you deliver a meal and you know you've helped someone eat well... No, it's kind of um, an amazing thing. It's it? yeah, it's. Re- I mean, it's really hard work, and I understand why people say if you work in food, you've got to have a passion for it because you know it's tough, but it's massively rewarding. And I think there's a quote that says, you know, for a happy life, you've got to stay close to the ground. And it's. I think it's something. It's that's not the quote entirely, but it's about you know happiness is keeping keeping yourself connected to the earth and working yeah. with those kind of products and that's what I I think I love about that's, it that's so nice what was the best bit of Ballymaloo for you so for anyone who doesn't know it's a three-month cookery course in this amazing place in Ireland but for you what was the best part of the experience um I was there with my friend Frank who actually now has worked in a number he's a full-time chef he's worked in a number of um, amazing restaurants he's working in Lyle's at the moment oh wow but he I guess I, I I loved being there with a friend that was great and 
the opportunities. So I, I think what it gives you is the confidence to be able to read any recipe and make it. Yeah. I also loved, you know, it's all the extra opportunities. So doing the farm, working at the farmer's market and realizing that yes. something I always thought was such a nice thing to do actually involved oh, getting was, up at four o'clock in the morning and you such hard work. <laughs> unloading, loading, all that kind of stuff. And yeah. you think, hang on a second, as a consumer, all you see is like a nice looking stall with some jams. And, yeah. But actually when you see how much work goes into it. Also just being on the farm, that experience of actually living, seeing things really grow. I think Doreen Allen is amazing. Mm, like, she's amazing. You can't believe how someone can have so much passion. And I I remember one... So much energy. So much energy. Yeah. I remember one of her lectures on chocolate. And I think she'd been talking for three hours about chocolate. And the bell went and she just kept talking. I thought, this is absolutely amazing. She just could stay here for yeah, hours. She lives and breathes it. Yeah. Okay, that seems a good moment to ask you about your third Desert Island dish of the day. And that's the best dish you've ever eaten. This is going to have to be my dad's breakfast. Oh, so it's pretty much the only thing he can cook, okay. but, <laughs> but that's a and it can um, be served at any time of day. And it is it's bacon, fried egg, and he does this eggy bread, eggy fried bread. Oh, in addition to the fried egg. Yeah, in addition yes. to the fried bread. Like double egg. Yeah, like a lot of egg. Yeah. Not much balance. <laughs> you have to fight to get a tomato in there. But I don't know. It, it just would have it has to be something that. You know, that's what I enjoy about food. It's about the people who I'm with and Definitely. homemade. And especially when it's made for you by someone like that who doesn't necessarily do that much cooking. Yeah. It kind of means much more. Well, he, he probably cooks it three times a day for okay. himself. But, <laughs> so he's pretty, pretty well practiced. <laughs> After Bali Malu, you worked in a kitchen in Switzerland, which mm-hmm. I can imagine was very stressful. And it made you realize that you didn't want to do that, which I can definitely relate to. But what was the biggest thing you learned from cooking in a kitchen other than the fact that you didn't want to do that? Good question. Probably a bit about working with different people, I, different personalities. I'd never worked before with people who were quite as passionate as that, especially to the point where, you know, things would be sent back for not being at the right angle. Part of me can understand. I think consistency is important and um, all sorts of things, but I don't know that that I think you can go too far and with uh, I would much rather use food and and you know if if it's on the wrong angle it's on the wrong angle but it it, this this experience it was just a bit too much and then I mean you can get some really strong personalities in the kitchen and very passionate (laughs) it would make a good fly on the wall documentary yeah (laughs) and I think that was probably the biggest lesson and just learning to manage my own kind of reaction and and rather than sort of completely shying away and yeah. going to hide and <laughs> just changing getting moving on with it and just accepting it's someone else's vision and you've just got to do it yeah so tell us a little bit more about in the early days how did you get the word out there and who were your first clients so to launch I sent an email out to 15 people friends and family who lived locally and in the first week, I think I had seven orders, a total of 101 pound sales, Still, which I amazing. was really happy yeah. about. <laughs> and you look right now and you think, 
that's nothing what on earth were you doing <laughs> yeah, from a standing with... start um because you were doing everything I was doing everything so I was waking up at about half five getting I was my mum had very very kindly said I could use her kitchen for the first two months and so went to her kitchen and I would make everything then I would deliver it on a bicycle I'd often be on my bicycle taking an order over the phone oh with a, another delivery on my on my handle, my handle. <laughs> you didn't even have Just, a basket on your bike no <laughs> I, it was it was or, or sometimes the bags wouldn't fit in the basket. There, okay. were, there were all sorts of <laughs> issues that you just had to kind of find a solution yeah. very quickly. And tell me, Georgia, was it two months that you stayed in your mum's kitchen? It wasn't. It was <laughs> It was three years, actually. Wow. Which, yeah, I mean, she's... But she got to eat a lot of amazing. delicious food. Uh, my mum's incredible. She's started three very successful businesses herself, and she's incredibly kind and has always um supported us and paid i think for every single salad she's bought which any anyone who's ever started a business will understand like i guess how important it is even if you're getting anything free you just can't give anything away free because you'll be out of business and it's one of those things which i've always felt so bad about and hoped that one day i'd somehow be able to you know pay her back in some way for Lent, sort of letting me use her kitchen no I bet she was just so happy that she was able to help you in that way I'm not sure I'm sure there were certain evenings when it was <laughs> me and a few delivery drivers <laughs> and the fridge sure was, was out of band <laughs> yeah so Georgia tell me about your fourth desert island dish of the day most important question what is your favorite sandwich I was going to it would have to either be between if shop-bought sandwich would be it would have to be Pret's Italian baguette. Good choice. Excellent yeah, choice. It's a great sandwich. Otherwise, it would have to be a homemade, basically a cheese sandwich that would be with Gruyere. Oh, my yes. favorite cheese. Yeah. And a good cheese. And a nice gherkin. Very nice. Butter, yeah. Yeah. On what kind of bread? I actually like crusty white baguette. Yes. Oh, um, yeah, with Gruyere. That would be yeah. Really good. Yeah. Those are two very good Not sandwiches. Chicken. I'll let you have both of them. <laughs> so something I always wonder with businesses, mm-hmm. does potage look the way you imagined it would five, six years ago when you started? Or has there been unexpected twists and turns that you couldn't have predicted? There, I don't know about unexpected twists and turns. When I started it, I I, I mean, I've, I've never had any budget to get any designers in. I've done all the branding myself. Amazing. Our logo has changed. And actually the first person that ever came to work with me was a friend of mine. And she she came in, she was at art school at the time, and came in for a summer just to do some work experience and help with everything. She yeah. did some deliveries and testing in the kitchen. And she one afternoon said, oh, should I do some little illustrations? And did did a few. And they are so, they were so beautiful. And now that all over the website so our our branding and everything has evolved very naturally over time that's nice and even our logo now came about when Fergus who actually works here we arrived at this fair and everyone around us had these really amazing stalls and we turned up and none of our nothing was sticking on we had these sort of ikea frames that we were trying to knock on the wall and they wouldn't stay on because we had sticky tape with double sided sticky tape note to everybody doesn't stick a frame on a wall okay <laughs> so 
Fergus hand drew the logo potage, yeah. eat well together, and tried to copy the kind of the text we used to have. Yeah. And I took a photo of it because it looked amazing at first. I was like, oh, oh. Yeah, yeah, you can do it. But think, I sort of walked off thinking I'm going to cry yeah. and I walk back and see what it looks like. But it looked amazing. And it's it's now we we put it onto it. We scanned it onto a computer and tidied it up a tiny bit. But it's, it's amazing. Oh, that's so, so nice. The whole, every single different part of our brand, I think what I love about it now, and I feel like it's got stronger and stronger, is that it's all evolved very naturally from, you know, our small team. Definitely. I think that's something that people stress about a lot when they're starting a business. And I think that's actually really reassuring to know that it's fine, that it doesn't look at the beginning how it might look in five years. And understandably, it didn't. And that's okay. Definitely. It's so painful at the time, though, because (laughs) I look back now at the things with the branding we started with and the pictures I used to take, and I think all my friends must have thought oh my I, God, I know the was pic- not your picture. Mad. But I have that with my pictures too. I yeah. It makes you cringe, doesn't it? Yeah, you just think, <laughs> why didn't anyone say, stop, what are you doing? Because yeah. it's awful. But I think you've just, you evolve. Yeah, and that's also fun. I think the fact that you can look back and think that shows how far it's come. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a good thing. Yeah. yeah. And I think, you, you know, the brand is such a big, part of any business and I think I don't know I think anyone can create a brand and it, you know you'll it'll build naturally yeah that's very good advice so moving on to your fifth desert island dish of the day what's the dish that you eat the most often I think it it, it would be spaghetti bolognese Ooh, and that's yeah good one it's mainly because whenever I was a child, it was basically the only meal my two brothers would oh. eat. <laughs> so we would always have spaghetti bolognese. But, and I went through a bit of a stage of kind of not liking it. But now it, we've got it on our menu and it's one of our best sellers. Oh, and really? It's, just, it's such comfort food. Yeah. Um, and tell me the recipe that you guys use now. Is it the same one that your mum? Yeah, as your mum's recipe. Exactly. It's a recipe that I tested over and over and over again, and I got. I knew once I had my brother's seal of approval, then I didn't need to go fast. Yeah. <laughs> we won't ask you for the secret recipe, yeah. but are there any tips or tricks that anyone should know if they're trying to master the perfect bolognese? I think the best tip and this is across a lot of dishes, is when you're cooking softening onions or garlic, is to do it as slowly as possible. Brings out the flavour and also to add the salt early on because then you use less and it really brings out the flavour. So just, you know, cook onion and garlic really slowly and let them... Yeah, at Ballymaloo's. I don't know, maybe you use them here, but do you remember those diffusers that you put on top oh, of Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that was so slow. Yeah, you had to so the onions. Yeah, I think that's very good. Slower, the better yeah. tasting. Yeah, definitely. So let's talk a little bit about the, the menus. Mm-hmm. What is the most popular thing on the menus? Is it the spaghetti bolognese? It would, it depends. Uh, we deliver, because we deliver to offices and homes. So offices tend to order our salads. And we have a lemon and thyme chicken breast that we do with quinoa, fresh peas, and our homemade pesto. Yum. That's a really good one. And that's really popular. Otherwise, there's one with hot smoked salmon. And it's got brown rice, mange to sugar snaps. And we do a homemade 
sweet chili sauce. Ooh, yum. That's also really popular. Also, so you have to be one of that the... beautiful tuna one that I see. The tuna, yeah, the tuna. That's, the tuna. So that's also really popular. <laughs> so, Georgia, let's move on to your sixth desert island dish of the day. What is your go-to dinner party dish? Slightly depends on the time of year. In the summer, my sort of number one criteria of any kind of dinner party dish is that I have to be able to make it in advance because I hate being stuck in the kitchen when yeah. everyone, I've got friends over. So in the summer, I really like doing making a tart. I quite enjoy making pastry. Yes. Um, and there's a really good Otlangi recipe that is a polenta pastry. He, had his, he adds polenta to the pastry, which gives Yum. it a really nice texture. To a normal short crust. Normal short crust pastry. Yum. And then it's a Comte and spinach tart. So I love stuff like that. Yeah, that um, and you can always reheat it slightly before or just make blind bake the pastry case and just add the sauce in whenever and get yeah. there. Um, and do it with a salad. Or in the winter, it would have to be a chili. Slow cooked chili where you can add loads of guacamole and salsas and things on the side. Yum, that sounds so good. So I wondered, Georgia, who are your cooking inspirations? Mm, So many. I met a girl called Georgia Doherty recently who started the Hill Food Company. company. And she is just, she's amazing. She's got, she lives in this basement flat and has a little garden up back where she seems to grow huge amounts of things. And she's always, I mean, she's up. I don't know when she actually sleeps, but um, <laughs> she grows so many things and she's really, you know, so many chefs nowadays say they're all about seasonal and all this different stuff, but she really is brilliant. And I love that. I like food that's all about the ingredients and mixes colour and textures and flavours. Yeah. So she's definitely one of them. But I also, Diana Henry, yes. Otlengi, obviously. Yeah. I love Jamie Oliver. I think Jamie Oliver is incredible. And especially all the work he does outside of recipes for, you know, school meals. And I read he was doing actually a book. His next book's going to be all about a diet for anyone with cancer, living with cancer. Really? And just, I think it's, he's so, I worked one of his stores actually for some time, for a short amount of time. And I just think he's so cool. He really is so passionate about so yeah. many things and you know works bloody hard he lived yeah. off three hours sleep or something which oh my it makes me look so lazy my yeah Thatcher. yeah <laughs> i know a random reference there are so many i could li- i could list off any but yeah. those are probably my favorites and there's also a woman called jane clark who i really like anyone who's interested in food she's a nutritionist okay dietitian and she's brilliant she wrote a book called nourish Okay. Which is really beautifully written and it's written sort of for different stages of a woman's life. Oh, wow. So, that sounds good. You know, when you're a baby, teenager, and the different kind of foods you should be eating. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Look that up. So, Georgia, we're on to the final Desert Island dish of the day. And that is the last dish you would choose to eat before being cast off to the Desert Island. I think I'd have to have, it would have to probably be roast chicken yes. with roast potatoes and some kind of fresh greens some anything kind of seasonal veg garden veg yeah what are your thoughts on a bread sauce i wouldn't go for a bread sauce actually okay. i'm just sorry i feel <laughs> no, like that's, that's really okay. disappointing but i actually wouldn't go for bread sauce okay i'd go for a gravy okay. i do like bread sauce yeah 
And it's probably because I'm lazy. But it's, it's, yeah, like an extra, it's like an extra thing. I think <laughs> yeah, when, you, no, when I'm cooking someone else chicken, is you're it. sort of like roast chicken, potatoes, you've got all the veg, yeah, you've got true. the gravy. Also feel like, yeah, bread sauce is kind of special occasion. Yeah, bread sauce is Christmas for Yeah, me. I know that's true. <laughs> We're, and I'm far too lazy to probably cook it. But if it's my last meal, maybe I, I would. If someone else is making it. it okay, well, meal. if someone else is making it, then I'll have the red sauce. Too. And would you have a pudding? I definitely would. I'd have one of our brownies. Oh. We get told they're the best brownies in London often, and I think I'd have to have one. Yeah, I have to say, I did just have one before this <laughs> interview, and it was amazing. Oh. And so the last question is, you're allowed one luxury item. What are you going to take with you? You can have anything. However, infeasible. Unfeasible? However, not (laughs) 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 feasible. However big, we will somehow get it to the desert island for you. So you can't have a person. Well, I would love to take a kiln. Okay, yes. We can Can make make you a kiln now. I love making ceramics. Oh, amazing. Okay. So I don't think I'd be able to take a wheel and a kiln, but I would take a kiln so then I could make lots of pots. Yeah. Well, and you'd just be sort of digging uh, clay. Well, I'd hope there'd be some clay <laughs> in the kiln when I opened oh, okay. it. Okay, someone might have left some clay so, behind, yeah. <laughs> someone. Yeah. And if we'll allow it, we'll allow it. Am I allowed that? Yeah, you're allowed okay. that. Thank you so much. With that, we're going to cast you off the desert island. Thank you so much, George. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. So I looked it up and a load of potato is very much a thing. So I definitely didn't coin that phrase like I thought I did. More's the pity. How great is Georgia? She's so passionate about food and I'm so impressed with how hard she worked during all university holidays and she just set about getting as much experience as possible, which just shows she was destined for big things. That prep baguette holds a special place in my heart. So that gets a big thumbs up from me. Plus, I love that her dad's cooked breakfast got a mention. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe. And if you wanted to leave a review, that would be just swell. Thank you and goodbye.